It's a hundred and ten years old. Mm-hmm. So it could be haunted. <laughs> It's beautiful, so nice. But the poltergeist yeah. has to work a lot to let us notice that he's here. <laughs> so. He has to be very proactive. fever lets me talk. Just be a big massive sneeze yeah. in the middle of it. I'm amazed because I never like talking <laughs> public or anything and I don't know how to do interviews but I think I'll just kind of talk I myself. I'm also know. like so bad. But that's <laughs> why I think when you said this I was like good you know what I need to practice and I need to practice with some okay, someone okay. I feel like confident with. Yeah I can't yeah and I was like really glad that you said yes because I was like okay that'll be that'll be nice to do anyway. <laughs> Like if we fuck it up, <laughs> bah, we can yeah, well. or redo yeah. the questions or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna so, yeah. write. Cool. So I have a briefing that I wrote to say at the beginning. Okay. okay. So I'm gonna just read that aloud. Um, so the project is a three-month endeavor to gather a number of insights about art, experience, lives, heritage, and nature from a range of people involved in culture in one place. I want to record the interviews, illustrate one key insight from each, and if they are to a good enough standard, recording-wise, I would like to share the interviews too. And alongside this, I'm also reading and drawing. I'm interested in identity, free will and joy, the everyday battles people go through in their homes and lives, and the thinking that we do of our whole selves and bodies when we create. Okay, so I wanted to interview you as um, a representative of the garden, basically. Um, and you're someone who's giving time to shape community space um, and also but also I think you're a designer as well because you're an architect making decisions about space um, yeah can you tell me a bit about yourself yeah so um, hi hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hi I am Aurora and I've always been curious about shaping communities shaping spaces and shaping cities in the towns where we live in and where we interact uh, so some years ago, when I was in Glasgow, when I came to Glasgow, I started this dot to dot garden with some friends, and it's a community garden just in Maryhill Road, where I started living five years ago. I moved to Glasgow seven years ago, and, and I was amazed by the culture and the history of the city, and it's just uh, it feels like in a lot of senses it's just like a white canvas mm. uh, where. Uh, marked by its history but with a lot of opportunity areas like derelict sites and empty vacant waste areas that can totally be taken back by the community and the people and just be developed. Uh, so I was really excited about that creative idea of occupying the city and with some friends we started looking at sites and the, the Maryhill Dot2Do community garden started happening then. It's quite nice like the, the fact, maybe the fact that you came to the city with fresh eyes meant that you looked at these spaces and saw something positive yeah. that could happen. Yeah. I guess when I arrived I started looking a lot about the history and the yeah. urban development of the city and how yeah, the quite interesting, 
because I'm from a really different country. I mean, in Spain, I think there's a lot less opportunities, but maybe it's just because I'm, it's what you say, it's fresh eyes. Yeah. So I'm used to see the things in Spain and I don't see the opportunities. And I came here and <laughs> I thought like, whoa, there's so yeah. many things to do here, you know. And people are engaged and I think the city is actually opened to a lot of change and community-driven opportunities and options. So, mm. yeah, trying to work on that. Yeah, and um, what are some of the pieces of art that you love? So, when I was living in Spain, I used to go to a lot of like exhibitions and theaters and like let's say the the standard art kind of type of thing. Yeah. And uh, here in Glasgow, I saw an opportunity to see a lot of more community art, a lot of more um, spontaneous uh, interventions in the cities and it, it happens in Spain also it happens more or less everywhere that yeah. there's actually community interventions in the city and that for me is one of the biggest ways of art so uh, since I've been involved with the sector with it, well I think architecture and art have always been really integrated and I've been involved with both a lot but at the same time, I think the art sector needs to wake up and engage with the community and stop being that elitist thing that yeah. I used to see in all the exhibitions I went to and be something more uh, to connect people and let them express themselves more than just something we go and see. Or uh, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I love artworks where people can take part and yeah um, I think not in just a kind of a patronizing way but in some in a way yeah. that is mutually beneficial yeah so it needs to bring a new perspective or bring new cre- new ways of seeing things of perceiving mm. and you know it's sometimes difficult for people who are not involved in art to get into it unless they are getting involved directly creating the art more than seeing yeah. the art yeah. I think for people to understand what art is or should be. Yeah. Kind of. So, for example, some of the most creative and expressive initiatives I've seen in the last years is a lot like uh, guerrilla gardening, community gardening. Um, so it's it's a way of taking the city as your canvas or things like book swaps or fridge swaps, like there's free fridges along cities and that generates a new type of interaction with people and the city. Yeah, so, I think so like a fridge where people can put food in yeah. and take food out that's just yeah. in a public space. Yeah, so it's kind of like yeah. a swap shop but with cold food for people. So mm. it's opening opportunities and actually making something good out of it also, mm. having not just art for art but it, it's because it, there's a cause and a, a moving mm-hmm. uh, something pushing for it and then there's a lot of mural art and graffiti art which is now being a lot more political and a lot more defined and there's initiatives there's this one in Spain I'm not sure if you heard about it's called the Musa Festival I think and they just call 50 artists from all over the world and they they paint the village. Yeah. And it's just like a hundred people living there, I think. So they stay with the people living for a week while they are painting on the murals and they all live together. So it's become not just an art festival, it's yeah. become a community moving thing that kind of brings everyone together. That's so you know? nice. So yeah. it's, it's a really cool initiative, yeah. Yeah. 
So say, I, I believe in things like that or with art, the, the art I kind of want to see in, in the future, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like, I like how that, yeah, that example is really nice. Like, the artists are partnering with the peop that village yeah. by being hosted and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's a really good one. Um, tell me about your favorite piece of art that you've made or been part of. Okay, so that's a tricky one. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of things in university and as I say, a lot more in the high level arts, you know, uh -huh. doing more exhibitions and performance in the city and interaction. But I think there's nothing I've done up to now is like this kind of guerrilla gardening idea that you use the city as, yeah, as I was saying, as your canvas. And um, we started trying to do something more technical than just community, which was having an app where we, yeah. we could actually connect online uh, empty sites owned by the council with communities who could actually crowdfund and try to have a full system integrated and together of how to occupy sites in the city but uh, we had some issues yeah, with the app everyone, everyone kind of has to figure it out when they're how, like i yeah. got an idea oh i want to do this how oh. do i do this oh you have to oh. find people and then you have to find the site and yeah. so this would kind of bring a site to place and say who is interested in this no, yeah. you know and then mm. everyone can go for it and then it forms a group and it's easier but at the same time, if we are tackling communities that have no much access online, that are struggling, you know, how do you expect them to have this cool app where they are going to have access to all these things, you know, when they maybe don't even have internet, you know. Mm -hmm. So it had to be something physical and digital at the same time. Uh, at the end, let's say the door-to-door -door is, a, is a kind of artistic social experiment <laughs> that is still running based on that mm -hmm. but it was just a pilot project yeah and it's it's stayed it's it was not the kind of physical version of the app yeah so, that so it was a physical platform could, yeah mm -hmm. for growing and community engagement yeah and now it's become a community garden yeah uh, where people can express themselves. So if someone has an idea, they can come in and develop it. We have the tools to help. We have volunteers to help. Mm -hmm. And I, let's say experience in different backgrounds. <laughs> so we are quite experimental. There's no gardeners between us. So yeah. we are all trying and testing things here and there. So it's not about yield and efficiency. Yeah. It is definitely a social experiment. And also, it's <laughs> completely open to the road. There's yeah. no gates. So, like, anyone could come and move all your plants around. Yeah. Or today, someone had built a sculpture out like of logs of yeah. wood and left it People there. just get the logs and <laughs> play with them. They put them around, they put them in between trees or they pile them up in different structures. Yeah. And we don't know who it is, but it it keeps the garden alive. Yeah. To have people interacting with it. Yeah. So I think for me one of the key things has always been having it open. Yeah. So 
the council and different organizations are worried about vandalism and I mm -hmm. think that worry actually calls for it you know like mm. no one has vandalized that because yeah. they respect it because it's open and they know yeah. they can come in they're invited yeah. in there's no gates there's no barriers it's just you know it's their place also if they want to yeah. have it they can take strawberries they can take and yeah the sunflowers did definitely help a lot and bring a smile for from all the neighbors and at the end of the day it's a good thing for the neighborhood you know? yeah i was listening to a podcast about the aesthetics of joy recently and this woman um she was talking about how color basically there are certain things that give you a sense of joy and pops of color are one of those cool things um what's her name ingrid fettel lee Okay, cool. And she, yeah, so she was talking about how seeing, seeing, um, she's a designer, so she was talking about how seeing the way that, uh, seeing bright pops of colour and seeing your environment kind of change around you mm -hmm. brings you a certain greater sense of your own emotion. And like, for example, nature, you, you're, you are reassured by the shifts in the seasons yeah. of nature because you realize that your emotions are also shifting yeah, and yeah, if everything yeah. always stays the same all the time you also think that things are never going to get better yeah and it's change. all cyclical so there's new opportunities every yeah. year at the end of the day I've yeah. learned a lot of that through the garden because yeah. you learn to be patient also with gardening because you don't realize how long it takes for a potato <laughs> to get there. <laughs> and you're like, I buy them in the supermarket every week. Yeah. And, and it's such an effort to grow them and make sure they grow okay and they have their space. And, you know, I've lost a couple of plants the last week and I'm like, no. no. <laughs> so so it, it does make you value the, the cycles of nature, you know, yeah. a lot. Ooh. A lot in... in community gardening and well fact of gardening I mean I'm living in cities you never think you're going to be gardening anyway so yeah I think it's 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 a cultural and I, I, I think the other day I read an article saying that guerrilla gardening or urban gardening was one of the biggest acts of activism that you yeah. can do nowadays because Amazing. it's it's rebellious it's environmental and it's it's social you know yeah. So it's just got everything, and it's about food also, and healthcare, and nature, and it's just, we need more green spaces in our cities. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need, yeah. you know. So, yeah. And yeah. anyone can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not no. that easy. It might, is it illegal? It's a, it's a learning process. So I was reading about this yesterday, guerrilla gardening is meant to be without permission. Yes. So illegally kind of yeah. but it's not illegal it's um, like non-registered kind of thing it's, how do you call it when it's not illegal but it's um, mm. unsanctioned yeah like irre irregular kind of thing okay. it's an irregular thing but it's not illegal so okay. Yeah. Okay. in London they, the police have stopped some people doing guerrilla gardening in the nights yeah if they're doing it in like private spaces yeah uh, but we do have permission from the council 
from the door to door, so yes, we're not like a garden. But it's got the spirit of But it, yeah, so. we yeah. kind of expand other places yeah. <laughs> if we can. So, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to tell the police that you're arrested. <laughs> Good to come for us for the, for the sunflowers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're going to arrest the, the sunflowers. sunflowers. <laughs> um, okay, um, do you think that art should change people's minds? Um, and I had the, you know, and then I had the kind of examples of different people saying art needs to be really, cha- that art should be challenging and difficult for people. And if you don't challenge people, then you're assuming. But then also, some people should be comforted as well. Like, art also has power to comfort and um, build people up. This is Danielle from the present popping in just to explain. We were having this conversation in Aurora's garden at her home in North Glasgow, but at this point it started to rain, so we had to move inside, so you'll notice a change in sound quality in a second. Okay, back to the task at hand. Do you want me to read it again? Shall I read it yeah. as it is? Because I sort of said it differently. Cool, yeah, read it as it is. Okay. Do you think art should change people's minds? For example, convince someone or inspire someone? Some say that this is an assumption that audiences and participants are just empty vessels to be filled. But also, socially engaged art does have the capacity to be challenging rather than only serving. Yeah, so well, I think that people are definitely not like empty vessels to be filled, I think. Yes. So I feel that's like a kind of shameful theory of art, like yeah. we are going to elevate everyone to this higher category kind of of human being or something Um, because I think just creativity and imagination is something that's in every one of us since we're born it's it's not something you learn but you can improve it all your life uh, through learning different techniques ways of expression or connection or interaction you know it's something you develop more than something you just get given to yourself Mm -hmm. you know it's more about training that about just something you learn as such. I still think that art is always inspiring, you know, it wouldn't be art if it's not inspiring, I think, and it has to alter your emotions, your line of thought, bring a change in perspective. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to, it, it always needs to be challenging, basically, like you were saying, you know, I think time for serving art is, is gone, it's over. Yeah, I think like art has always art, like architecture has always been serving money interests at the end of the day because people have to live of something. Yeah. But if you think about it, all the genuine artists that are now the most famous mostly all died poor. Yeah. And were not working on the as a service to money basically. It's all in the moment. Now they now they are super famous, but uh, it's Most just of chance. Most were kind of like ignored during yeah. their lives, and they just they were just compelled to paint that way for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of them who were painting for kings and painting, and those were serving mm-hmm. a desire to have a memory for life. Mm-hmm. But they normally also painted things that were not normally portrayed in the history of of the the culture even mm-hmm. in the written history as such 
Yeah, lots of um, lots of those kind of painters who were hired by kings didn't they kind of snuck other things, other symbols into their paintings yeah. in certain ways. So, so yeah. they always had their way to to portray things. Yeah, and oh yeah, and it it has definitely changed my mind lots of times. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I do think it has to bring you a change of perspective. I mean, there's little things like, for example. There's a statue in Glasgow that is the only statue of a Republican woman of Spain that I've ever seen. And I didn't know much of her story until I came to Glasgow. So Glasgow's cultures and uh, different exhibitions have made me even learn more of my own culture, of my own Spanish culture, which I wasn't even expecting when yeah. I came What's here. What's that statue? So it's called the La Pasionaria. Oh, yeah, and it's the one by, by the, the river. river. Yeah. yeah. So in Spain, we don't even have a statue of that woman. Yeah. And she was the main revolutionary of... But, but of course, you know, in Spain, the bad guys won. So yeah. <laughs> the bad guys told the story and killed art and culture. So they, they decided what the story was going to be. Yeah. So that's all the crazy things I've learned in Glasgow about yeah. my own culture. Yeah, and, and a lot of that is through art, to be honest. Yeah, although it's history and art and culture just all intertwined and linked, so you can't really separate them. Isn't that my next question? Yeah, I think yeah. it's about that. And then, uh, yeah, I was saying... Oh, no, that was not my next. No, but it's, uh, there's a question about history yeah, that so I'm down the line. <laughs> do you think history and historical cultures still hold power over us and what role does art play in making sense of this? So, in the case of Maryhill, mm -hmm. for example, uh, where the community garden is, yeah. I think it's a really interesting point because it's an area of Glasgow with a really strong uh, industrial heritage, a really strong cultural story come with a lot of decadence after and come with followed by a lot of um, post-industrial job losses and cultural mm. yeah yeah and it's an area that has kind of been abandoned for years like the canal and but it's one of the best hidden gems of Glasgow I think and the potential up here is just crazy I mean I've only been in five years in the community and four involved with the community garden so I really didn't know much about it until I started meeting people and you start talking to people and you start learning about the history of the place and everyone has something, some, story, some stories to tell about it and there's a lot of people who were born and grew up in the area so you can see a lot of community connection that has been grown for lots of years there. Yeah. Uh, there's the, there's different figures in the area, and you know there's the artist, there's the painter, there's the so everyone keeps to their own kind of side of things. So, okay. I guess there's not much um, uh, intersectionality. Is that the word that you would use, or there's not? I guess collaboration because everyone knows each other pretty or, good. Yeah. They struggle to get involved in a lot of things because of yeah. the history and the past of the place. Oh yeah. Like I know in some parts of Glasgow one half of the street there's a the territory so one half of the street they always stay on that side. They don't actually go to activities. They're on the other side, side of, of the street. It. Yeah. That's like the other families or But I think through projects like this 
So um, I think I had it for the next question, but um, on it's uh, again about how the role of community projects, yeah. and I think one of the main examples is when we arrived four years ago. For it was strange for the community to to see some strangers coming here, yeah. establishing something in the street, and they were all quite like, "Why are you doing this? What's the point on this?" You know, they they were quite cautious at the beginning, and and of course they are. You know, they don't know who who the hell we are. Yeah. And they've been there all their lives, so they don't trust people coming in with some idea, crazy ideas about doing a garden here. What? <laughs> what is that about? But then I think through being there over the years and and the sunflowers helped a lot. You know, it's what you were talking about. Yeah. Nice details that make places a bit more beautiful. Color yeah. or flowers or, you know, green when you start adding nice things and, and the people start seeing that you're not making any money out of it or you're not taking profit of where they are or just but you are trying to be part of the community they are a bit more open to it now and they come in and interact a bit more and you know they're getting more used to it and now they're happier about us being there yeah because especially the first year we couldn't grow anything yet so it looked a bit it still looked like a bit like an abandoned site but we just had taken all the nettles out but now it was a brownfield <laughs> instead of nettles so it was even looking a bit worse than it was at the beginning <laughs> but then now that we've tidied up and organized and our growing veg i think it's much better and yeah so the, the point is that these kind of projects can open up communities and help connect people that already knew each other but at least they find out that they have a common interest or that they can explore different things or have someone different to talk to and uh, break some barriers and talk to each other and especially it's good for children for example when they come around and they interact and they see oh let's so this this is a carrot then <laughs> you know they, they see where things come from and it's quite nice Oh, yeah. So there are constantly more options for what art to view, participate in, consume. Is it too much? And how do we decide what we like and what to choose? Is there a good and a bad way to choose? So my point of view, especially talking all this about community art and, and involvement and how art can shape the things we want at mm-hmm. the end, what, the only way nowadays is to just get involved, basically. If there's any creative idea that interests you any, and you find any way in your community, in your area, to find how to get involved and do it, whatever mm-hmm. it is, to read, to write, to meet people, to uh, and talk to people, theater, acting, dancing, whatever, any kind of self-expression and a way to connect to people, and you will, if you go there, you meet people who have similar interests, you start learning tips, you start getting inspiration and references that keep you... It's basically about keeping your curiosity awake and start developing your own art instinct as such and Mm. techniques to express yourself. Then you will find what type of art you like and you will find your references through that. But there's so much going on online and so much offer that you can totally get lost if you're just looking without any reference or any guidance on what you want to see, basically. Yeah, it's like as long as you kind of 
keep that curiosity alive and kind of listen to yourself almost. Yeah. You could just you should just try things and even growing plants, you know, you just connect with something and it keeps you going. Yeah, I guess you have to choose but, what you're going to yeah. grow. Well, you can um, be scrolling on Instagram forever and yeah. not really get attracted to anything specific because there's just so much graphic information that we are bombarded with nowadays. That Yeah, it's, it's difficult to choose what to see or what, what yeah. ex- exhibitions, theatres, gigs to go to, you know, it's just, yeah, so like, yeah, like, um, you might choose one thing and then because you've chosen and enjoyed that, you choose the next thing in response, try and like, trying to like choose the next thing in response to it. Hmm, yeah, yeah. Maybe. So it yeah. keeps you that kind of curiosity line of what, yeah. what can I go that's similar to this or... Yeah. yeah. We kind of already talked about Mary Hill. Mm-hmm. Was there any other thoughts you had about, yeah, anything else about creativity and the role it plays along Mary Hill Road? Oh, it's interesting on something I've learned is that there's little things or little moves that you can do in the urban environment that Mm. seem to just be like a silly little thing, like the moment we build the bench by the bus stop. And that has actually been a little move that has developed a lot of interaction and discussion about what's happening mm-hmm. because people have a place to actually sit down and while we're, while they're waiting. Yeah, people just they're, they're use like, that oh. bench and yeah, it's so. part of the garden but not, but it's kind of an acceptance of the garden in a yeah. certain way as well. Yeah. So it's now part of the city but still connected to the garden without mm. having a barrier between both mm. you know so yeah that was a really cool I really like that yeah yeah it's funny that it's funny in a way that people come and sit on that bench but they don't talk to you a lot of the time <laughs> a lot of time they're just waiting for the bus so yeah. they're just sitting there and chilling and and sometimes they're looking at me while I'm doing things and I'm like and do they wave back or are they like yeah most of the time they wave back or they say hi they don't want to talk to me I know about it you know they just turn around they want to talk to me they're normally coming up to me to talk to to talk about the garden yeah so so yeah there's a a community garden on high street that has like it's it's always closed I've I've never seen it open but it always has um well, it has these artworks on the wall yeah. on the outside of it, and I always like that. I always thought like that's really nice that they have some least, sculptures they, or something. That, yeah, that people can interact with it. Yeah, but most of the gardens what we were talking mm. before are all fenced. Yes. Yeah. Ninety percent of the people who come in wouldn't come in if they had to open a gate. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah, and there's also already that path through as well. Yeah. Kind of like. Which has now opened to the pub in the back. Yeah. So. <laughs> What are some of the things you think about when placing community or non-professional? Um, and normally the question, well, before when I asked it, it was about community or non-professional art in a space of architecture and art that's generally accepted as high art. Um, but I suppose it, in this case it could also be about professional and non-professional gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, or just having non-planned gardening within plant urban context Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so 
Well, I was thinking is in, in architecture and urban planning, is it is becoming more and more important uh, for, even especially for community buildings, to have a real bond with the community even before the doors open. So the in these cases, what they're doing is engaging with local artists and trying to get the community to make some decisions of what's going to happen with those buildings and get some murals that actually relate to the community directly. Um, but and, and part of that appeal of, of community are, is also that it's kind of ephemeris, I think, that it just... What is ephemeris? Like, it's, it's, it's not built to last long, so okay. you, it's... It's, 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 crea- it's art that is created with a, like end date that it's not too far away so it's, it's not economically profi- profitable it's a short life and it, it will just be in the memory of the small local group who will get engaged with it but it's not something that will last really long mm-hmm. and that happens sometimes with all the community gardens or urban gardening that the sites might be developed in the future but they temporarily activate that space and generate community mm-hmm. but the that's also a problem for it. So people don't want to spend money and put time and effort into something that might go any moment because there might be speculation or there might be someone buying the site mm-hmm. and then that's your community garden gone and all the effort and all the... So... Um, yeah, people get people can kind of get sort of worn down by the effort of... Yeah. Of, communities can get worn down by the effort of gifting their time to these projects and that sense that it didn't go anywhere and yeah like yeah. like what was the purpose of this and yeah. it's just for the time that it's going because you know we were saying nature's cyclical and at the end yeah. of the day you understand that every year is a new adventure as such yeah but that's because i have time now yeah. But I understand people with a family, with other issues, with three jobs, you know, how are they going to find any time or effort to actually put it into community art or community work, you know. So there are initiatives, and I think uh, the, under the Community Empowerment Act, for example, Glasgow City Council is, has done several consultations and they are producing like a food-growing strategy which should allow everyone to have access to growing their own food mm-hmm. or growing food in some somehow. Um, and there's a lot of like social enterprises and third and fourth sector which are now starting to uh, get funding and, and really make this a more established thing that mm-hmm. they help or communities to maybe establish the gardens, but there's someone who is actually being paid Mm-hmm. to help support all these community gardens so it's not just in the hands of the community to be volunteers because yeah, it's, it's, not a, just it's, relying on it's a lot of pressure for, yeah. the, for the community yeah it's not just relying on that sense of responsibility and citizenship but it's actually in, embedded into the way that our city works yeah, yeah. So it'd be nice to see what Glasgow City Council are proposing and I hope they are opening ways for communities to actually start developing this, or I don't know if it's in the way of funding or support. Or there's groups like Propagate in Glasgow or Urban Roots. They are mapping all the community gardens and trying to help build up a network so we help each other. Mm. But, yeah, 
mo every group would need to have someone who's actually uh, got a position paid position to be able to spend time yeah and a this. lot of the gardens have to spend so much time trying to fundraise yeah to keep those and that's a job itself you yeah. know that that is a job itself to be a yeah. fundraiser for the community garden yeah. and it's through sita once you're established it's not that expensive to keep it going mm. you have the tools and you have uh, you just need the seeds and but you need time experience water you know there's a lot of things that mm -hmm. you need to keep up every year so yeah, but it's, it's still fun and interesting. And if the council embraces community garden with all the abandoned sites they have and they give support and funding, and the, the regeneration of all these forgotten spaces that are in the middle of our communities could totally bring the people together and make a bit better city for all, basically. The dot-to-door the -door in Merhill was just a wee social experiment, yeah. a pilot project. Uh, to prove that it can happen, you know, that, that we can make all the wasteland a bit of a better place for everyone. Yeah, and anyone can do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what kind of experiences do people have coming into the garden and how do those experiences fit with their everyday lives? Uh, so the key point for that is what, what I was saying before, that my favourite thing of the garden is that it's actually open for everyone passing by. Yeah. So in the everyday life, there's a lot of people taking the bus in that bus stop. It's really exposed yeah. with bathing that there's a lot of traffic around, but at the same time, it's really visible. So people can see that something is happening there. That's a lot more green. And even on sunny days, there's usually people enjoying the space, just hanging about, just taking sun, getting sun, or waiting for the bus, you know. So we encourage everyone to... Just try the veg and the fruit, if you see some strawberries, and at the end I think it's just bringing a smile into everyone around yeah. in the area. Yeah. Yeah, lots of people, if I mention the garden, they will, you know, if you say, oh, it's that place with the coloured tires on it, <laughs> yeah, they've or, always been past it. Or, oh, the sunflowers, yeah. The sunflowers, <laughs> the sunflowers yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Just a kind of a joyful... So I had here, it's a, it's a mix between beautifying neglected spaces and bringing production, food production, into the heart of the city. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about the food production because we're not like high gilders yeah. or you're not like uh, about the efficiency. But if we had someone working there part-time, we could produce a lot more and actually feed some of the people around. We just don't have time to make the effort to have mm -hmm. a really efficient garden but also like people probably don't know that when they look at the garden so it's still yeah. kind of like <laughs> they don't know how much we produce they just see some green <laughs> we just let the weeds grow yeah just pretend yeah 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 no but like yeah if they look at it it's still like at the idea that it all look at that green yeah. space being used and it's also really beautiful and and talking to the people, you realize all they want is strawberries and sunflowers. Yeah. I think next year we're just going to have strawberries and sunflowers, because that's what everyone loves. No greens, yeah. yeah. No. We had a problem last year with salads, because with salads you need to be on top of them. Yeah. And you need to be eating them every day, basically. Oh, no. And people don't, people don't eat them, so I was like, well, okay, so we have to... Uh, organize what we're growing based on what we are really going to eat or, yeah. or 
people love onions, carrots, things like that, yeah, but things like salads, it's also a lot of carbs maybe, so people are not that sure, so yeah, let's just get all the roots and strawberries. <laughs> and that's not something you would know until you had actually tried yeah, it, yeah, done so. it as well, yeah. As I say, it's a bit of an experiment, so we're just growing different things that we're interested in, and then we realise what's worth or not worth mm-hmm. gr- growing there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, is there anything else that um, is there anything else that you would like to promote or share? So basically, just the uh, promoting what the garden. I hope the garden promotes, which is just trying to eat more seasonally and locally and reuse and repurpose and mend and there's so much stuff that we can reuse to do the planters and things like that you know we don't buy much stuff and uh, then yeah buying in charity shops uh, doing swap shops and trying to exchange with people and all these things and just yeah lots of good ideas well i said just get 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 into some type of art or creative expressions you know if whether it's gardening whether it's writing whatever some ways to express yourself and then that will keep your curiosity going and open up paths and yeah just try it <laughs> whatever <laughs> all right cool. thanks thanks so much for um allowing me to interview you <laughs> um yeah um okay thanks cool if you're interested in the dot to dot community garden you can visit it at 636 mary hill road at the moment, the best place to find out more is on their Facebook at facebook.com forward slash D2D Mary Hill. And thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm Danielle Banks, and this podcast is Creative Battles, The Thinking Arm. I'm an artist and designer, and I'm tending to my socially engaged creative business called The Earth Wants You Back, where I make environmental and social products and projects. The podcast will have four episodes all about creative battles in Mary Hill, so please subscribe. And if you want to see more about what I do have a look at the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the earth wants you back. And also thanks to Glasgow Connected Arts Network, who are a free member organisation for people in the arts in Glasgow. The Creative Battles Project has been funded by their Resilience Grant, which is a randomly selected grant given to proposed projects happening in the north of the city.